believe I've got a great word for you. Two, two F's we're going to deal with tonight. Forgiveness and fear. Very quickly. I'm going to go quickly. But if you remember from two weeks ago how toxic uh, offense is. And uh, let's see. I want you to know that, that the act of forgiveness is liberating to not just the offended, but to the offender. It sets both of you free. But if you remember, so many times we feel like that we, we have a right to withhold our forgiveness until there's some adequate response from the other party. Them to show that they are, they're sorry, you know, or that they realize that they've messed up. But how many of you know most people won't? If they'll just act like they're sorry or at least acknowledge they've done something wrong, then I'll forgive them. But most don't. But I want you to know that in God's kingdom, listen to me now, this is God's word, in his kingdom, forgiveness is not optional. It's the only way of life. The more we forgive, the more we become like our Father in heaven. In Colossians 3.13, we read this last time, it says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So, Make allowance for each other's faults. Do you remember that? Store up. Prepare. Be ready for people to hurt you. You know, I don't think people necessarily intend to, but it happens. So we shouldn't be completely shocked when something happens. If y'all walk in here and I do not see you and don't shake your hand, don't get offended. Tell me, hey, you walked by me and didn't shake my hand. Well, I'm sorry. You walked by me and didn't shake my hand. Right? It happens. I was, uh, I don't know, you were talking about a dog chasing a uh, bus. I was running last night, and I never get chased by dogs. I've been chased by dogs twice. And I got chased by a dog last night, this little yippy dog. And the people were out in their yard and watched it. And just were like, let's see how this is going to go. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Just watched me. Run from it. And thankfully, I had on sunglasses because, man, I was giving them an evil eye. I was like. <laughs> and then I thought, I could literally have a road rage moment right here. Them get out of their car and chase me down, and I'll be dead on the side of a road. I mean, dumber stuff has happened. So I kept on running. But to prepare, you know, I'm sure they have no control over that dog or didn't even think about it. But, man, I was... What's this dog going to do? Is they going to bite me? Anyway, felt like the mailman. Make allowance and forgive anyone who offends you. I want you to listen to that statement. Forgive anyone who offends you. Is that a question? Are there options? No, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. There are no conditions and no exceptions given. God tells us to forgive anyone who offends us. End of story. Everybody say amen. If you're holding unforgiveness, it's on you. It's not on the person you're holding it. It's on you, scripturally, according to God and his word. So let it go. Let it go. Um, 
When we retain offense, you remember from last time, we become like the Dead Sea. Our spirits close because our lives become an environment where life cannot flourish or even survive. It is through forgiveness that our hearts get opened back up so that God's power can flow in and out of it. Have you ever felt like when you're holding unforgiveness that a wall gets put up? I know it. It's a physical wall. I almost can see it in my life. Refusal to give and receive forgiveness leads to the poisoning of the soul. Our vitality requires a harmonious exchange with those that we do life with. It is give and take. We have got to give everybody a break. Bear with one another. We must freely give and receive. Maybe you think, you know what? Yeah, my spouse needs to be forgiven. My friend, my parent, my siblings need to be forgiven. But my forgiveness is not inexhaustible. It has to have a limit. The disciples said the same thing. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, you know this scripture. He said, Peter came to him, who's Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone that sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70, but 70 times seven. Paul asked this question, I believe, in a magnanimous way. He's like trying to exaggerate. How many times should I forgive, God? Seven times? And I know that he expected Jesus to say, oh, man, that's great. Yeah, do that. Seven times, that way to go. Because you know what? Peter was brought up under the law. And the law said you must show no pity for the guilty. Rules should be followed. Life for life, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. So when Peter offered to, to, to forgive seven times, he, he just thought Jesus would say, man, Peter, you're so full of mercy and grace and you just remind me of me. But we know that elsewhere from the New Testament that as Peter offered these seven uh, forgive, forgiving pardons, um, that he thought was the number of times that he would need to forgive someone in a day. So re Jesus responded with no 70 times 7. Not trying to mandate a greater limit of forgiveness for... He was not, he was not merely his mandating a greater limit of forgiveness for a lifetime of offenses, he was trying to say that forgiveness must be given without measure. 70 times 7. For someone to offend you that many times in a day, it'd be 490 times a day. So your spouse, or I, I use spouse because they're the ones you interact with the most and they're the ones you fight with the most. Your spouse would have to offend you every three minutes. You may be thinking, you know what, that's close. <laughs> Provided that neither of you ever go to sleep. That's a lot of sinning. That's a lot of offending. More than anyone is ever likely to achieve. But even if you could forgive them 490 times in a day, that doesn't mean you can stop after 490. In Scripture, the number seven emphasizes or symbolizes completeness, especially when it comes uh, between heaven and earth. So Jesus used, used this number 490, which is a multiple of seven, 
to, to give this example of to forgive completely, following the standard of our Heavenly Father. Aren't you glad he didn't stop at 490 on us? This generous forgiveness is only possible when we have been restored to God through Christ. In him, there is harmony between the father and his children. We are therefore empowered to forgive because we are new creations with new hearts. Our hearts have freely received forgiveness. And in order to stay spiritually healthy... We must freely offer forgiveness to others. I want you to know that almost everywhere I've studied about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, before receiving, you're always walked through forgiving each other. What, are, what kind of unforgiveness are you holding? Because this is going to be something to hinder your spiritual walk. I want you to know that not only your spiritual walk, but your physical walk will be hindered by holding unforgiveness. You are only hurting yourself and those around you. You're not even affecting the person you're holding it against. Jesus wants our forgiveness to be inexhaustible because after his conversation with Peter, right after that conversation, he followed it with a parable about a king and the unforgiving servant. Now, you know this story, but I'm going to share with you the end of it. If you remember... The king had a servant who owed an amount that could never be paid. It was an unbelievable amount, millions. In, in our perspective, it would be millions of dollars that we could never earn enough to pay back. The king forgave him. That person that got forgiven then left and went home and held someone that owed him money, which was almost nothing, to, the, to a standard of him being arrested and taken taken away and to be held until it could be paid. The king found out about it, brought him back in, and then we see what, what is said here in Matthew 18, verse 34. The angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's my, what my father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. I, I don't get it, and I do get it how the church could continue to hold unforgiveness. Knowing how Father God views it. Knowing what price he paid for your forgiveness. Yet we still hold it and think we have a right to it. And I want you to know, you can hold on to it. It is your choice. But you completely Stop God's ability to pour into you. You do that. Not Satan. Not God. You. Life and death is held in your hands. Choose one or the other. You have to choose. You have to choose life. We will not receive forgiveness if we refuse to forgive. No exceptions. Why is it so important that we forgive? Because of forgiveness, we discover and learn to imitate God's nature. 
it is truly dying of self. When we begin to grasp the limitations of our human self and instead begin to conform to the likeness of my Father, I cannot forgive on my own power. I have to take on the character of God in order to do it. I have to have the Spirit of God in order to do it. I cannot and I will not do it on my own. In God's forgiveness, we are made whole and we are invited and even charged to extend his wholeness to those we forgive. I want you to recognize that when you have an opportunity to forgive, you begin to to have an opportunity to tap into kingdom power. You have an opportunity to release the power of God. When you forgive, that's the kind of power that you and I walk around with. It's healing power. It says in Proverbs 17, 9, it says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. Love prospers. Can you all put that one up for me? It's the next slide. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. Can we say the opposite? Love dwindles when a fault is held on to. If you choose to hold on to offense, everyone loses because love dwindles. However, when you choose to forgive, everyone in your family wins because love flourishes. Now to continue, if you remember, as I started this, it's about equipping the church. I want to talk about fear very quickly. i got five minutes and I can do this. Fear and distrust keep us from thriving as a church. Now I want you to listen to me now. Because fear tenaciously clings to the past while refusing to believe something better can arise in the future. Fear holds on to the past while refusing to believe that something better can happen in the future. If we want God to do a new thing in our lives, we've got to choose to abandon fear and accept what love would forecast our futures. Do you know that there's a great forecast for your future? There is. Um, I believe there is an incredible future for you. It's not this book. It's the Holy Spirit. I, I have never felt like we have had such a better future in my, in my life. I've never felt like I personally have a better future. I've never felt like you have a better future. Um, hell may have hit you today. I want you to know uh, B.J. Walden passed, passed away today. Um, Ken Walden is my head usher. He's also a deacon one of the most precious hearts and incredible servant of this church. She is in a better place. She has been in a lot of pain. The family was just really mourning this, this afternoon, this morning. But I, I, I didn't tell him this, but I believe Ken has got an incredible future ahead. An incredible future. And BJ... BJ's in good hands. She doesn't have cancer any longer. 
But even in the midst of death, even in the midst of a lot of challenges that we face, I believe we have got an incredible future ahead. Fear expects failure, while love can never fail. Fear is a spiritual force in direct opposition to God's love in our lives. It's the opposite of love, for both fear and love operate operate from belief in the unseen. Love challenges us to doubt what we see. Love challenges us to doubt what we see and believe for what we cannot. Fear urges us to believe what is seen and doubt the unseen. When, we fa- when we're faced with the fear of failure or the hope of love, we get to choose one or the other, not both. Both of them cannot be in the same household. Fear displaces love. Love casts out fear. John, 1 John 4.18 says, Perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. Love's ability to transform us is greater than fear's ability to ensnare us. Love's ability to set you free is greater than fear's ability to hold you down. This perfect love that expels fear is only found in the experience of God's love. Through the power of his love, we can forsake ourself because we know that God will take care of our needs. But if we don't spend time in God's presence, we cannot have that intimate knowledge of his loving nature. Everything that I'm saying here is going to be fixed by us pursuing the Holy Spirit. I mean, I can't, I can't get away from it. It's why when the guy came in to tell us the stupid stuff that's going on with the fire marshal, he's not robbing my joy. God knew this was going to happen. We'll get through it somehow. It's not the end of the world, but I'm still expecting a miracle. Well, that doesn't ever happen with this guy. Well, I don't care. That means nothing to me. Because it's never happened before doesn't bother me. Either we wait three or four weeks to, for a special, special door or something else happens. But either way, the Holy Spirit is with us. God is with us. The kingdom's not shaking and we will continue on in the way that he wants us to go. We've spent thousands of dollars to sit here another month and watch this thing stay empty and I want to get frustrated but then the Holy Spirit's like dude that ain't nothing I've got this guy that worked for me at the Lube that will always one up you and just say dude that ain't nothing my brother Felix and then he'd follow it up with what his brother Felix would always do dude I could jump over the moon dude that ain't nothing my brother Felix could do flips over the moon And I believe the Holy Spirit would say, dude, that ain't nothing. This guy I got with me, these other two that go with me, we got that. There's so many other things for us to go do. Don't worry about that. It's okay. I'm with you. And it's like, okay, I trust you. I believe you. Um, The stronghold of fear. 
what a stronghold fear has on our lives. Without the knowledge of God's true nature, we will live in constant fear of abandonment, even by God or by each other, which is a twisted form of punishment. When we allow fear to ensnare us. But when we grow more and more in the love of God, we become free of fear and offer love to each other. 1 John 4, verse 7. We were just in 1 John 4, 18. It says, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. You know, I see that as that it is a decision we have to make. Let us continue to love one another. How many of you know every now and then you have to choose to love somebody? It's a choice. But you have the power to love. Why? Because the Spirit of God is in you. Why do you have the power to love? Because you've got God. So, the unlovable, I have the ability to love. Well, wait a minute, let me think about that. I don't know that I do or not. Well, I want you to know you do. You've just told yourself you don't. You've listened to the serpent and confused what you know. You know what? I can love you. I think. Let me try. You know what? I can. If we love one another, for love comes from God. Let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Anyone who doesn't love doesn't know God. For God is love. The stronghold of fear causes us to say things like, if this person ever does this to me, I will never forgive them. And you know what? We say those things intending to shield us from the future. But what we do is we keep us from embracing the power of God's love in us. We've got to learn to care for our hearts. Even if people wound and reject and betray us, God has asked us to surrender our fears to him. When we do not surrender our fears to him, we don't believe that God is capable of directing our lives. That is what we were saying. We cannot submit to Jesus' lordship without surrendering our fears to him. Now, that was a 10-minute blurb on fear. Fear is something that is this big 80-pound, 800-pound monster. But I want you to know that love casts out, perfect love casts out all fear. God is love. So we fill ourselves with him. As we get to know the Holy Spirit, you're, it, is just, it is just gonna be an incredible thing. I just wanna tell you that I have, those of you that haven't been here, I have kind of had, I feel like I've had this revelation that you know it's not Jesus the man that I'm trying to build a relationship with. It never was intended to be that. Jesus the man has left. He left so that his spirit could be sent. And my relationship to be built is to be built with the Holy Spirit. And I have had this big divide between the Word of God and the man of Jesus trying to build this personal relationship because the church had always taught, well, you need to build a personal relationship with Jesus. And in my mind, cognitively, I never could put it together. But as we've been 
been pursuing the Holy Spirit, we realize that Jesus isn't here. He has sent his spirit, which is the spirit of Jesus, one just like him, so that he can be in my heart. Jesus the man could never be in my heart, but Jesus the spirit can be. And that's this humongous divide that I've had that, that I am pursuing is I now can literally have relationship. I never could get it. I'm sorry. I'm a 44-year-old, been pastor 10 years, and it's just like the light bulb's just finally gone off, gone on or off. Y'all could pick how y'all want to. But that's where I am. That's where I feel like we are as a church. I feel like the church has missed it because of religious wording that we've removed the Holy Spirit. It's not about being baptized in the Spirit and praying in tongues. That's part of it. That's going to come. But we have made the Holy Spirit weird and set him on a shelf and just call on him every now and then when we need something major instead of him being our focus. The Holy Spirit is our focus. And I'm never, I'm never going to be the same. Things are different. And I'm praying that that revelation, that, that revealed revelation comes directly to you. Pursue the Lord. Pursue his spirit. Pursue his word. Pursue his love. Let him come in and let that love push out that fear. You don't have to white knuckle out fear. Do you know what that means? White knuckles? Grind it out with everything you got? You're not strong enough. Love will, will, will I don't know about gently... But it will for, it cast. It will cast it out. It will be casted out. We don't have to war over it. We just need to receive the love. We need the love to come in. It will get rid of fear. Anybody here battle fear? You don't have to raise your hand. I know you're raising your hand in spirit. People battle fear. We're going to deal with that by receiving the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you for your revealed word. I just ask you right now that, Holy Spirit, you would just begin to speak to each and every one here. That, Holy Spirit, you speak. You are still speaking. Lord, you did a miracle today, and Pastor Justin and I showing up just at the right time. There's no other way to say except that the Holy Spirit led us today. That is what you are doing right now. You are working in us, and you desire to do great things in us and through us. In us and through us. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come in and fill us. I just ask you just to fill us with your love. Reveal your heart. We sang the song, but do we really want it? We want to know your heart. And Lord, I want that to pour out of me. I want you to pour out of me, not me. Just thank you, Lord. Those that have come in here hurting, those that have come in here broken and in need, I just ask you just to begin to minister to them right now. Right directly in their heart. And Lord, I ask for divine miracles to take place as we dismiss that people just ask the right questions and we just run into the right people at the right time. We can't explain it, but Holy Spirit, we're just expecting you to be at work. Thank you, Lord. Bless us. I ask you just to uh, do a miracle with the fire marshal. I ask that this building get filled up. 
Lord, that you would provide furniture and everything that we need, lighting, and that we could get it all working properly. But, Lord, I also ask you, we just need financial provision. Lord, you've led us here. You're not going to leave us or forsake us. And you've got the cattle on a thousand hills. Send some cattle. Sell some cows. Just thank you, Lord. Through these people, through this people right here, Lord, bless their finances. And Lord, let us give according to your word. And Lord, you just be Jehovah Jireh. I've really got, I don't have any fear. It's on you. We're following you. Just bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. If you want to come.